Thanks for tuning in to the Boiler Express podcast. Join us each week as we dive into all things Purdue sports. You'll hear in-depth analysis of our previous and upcoming games, as well as interviews with players and people involved in the Purdue sports fandom. Be sure to check us out on Twitter and YouTube for our live stream shows as well. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Boiler Express podcast. As you see, I'm joined with a couple of guests here. But before we get started, I'd like to uh, talk about our sponsors here for a second. So first will be Cincy Blitzboards. Uh, it's a fantastic game, really fun game to play with your family, friends, tailgates, cookouts. Check out their website, cincyblitzboards.com. Next up, we have Martin Vintage, uh, some great Purdue vintage clothing. Use promo code BXB for 10% off at checkout. And with that, I'd like to welcome in um, the guys from the Wild Chat Podcast. Here we have Dylan and Adam. Welcome in, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah. So no surprise to anyone, Purdue plays Northwestern in football this weekend. Um, how are you guys feeling about your season so far? Let's start there. Well, I know this one over here, he, he went up to Wisconsin last weekend for the game. Oh, okay. He's going yeah. to be really hype, really excited. I'm going to keep things a little bit more mellow and down to earth, but I mean, this this season just doesn't feel real in a way. Um, you know, you come into the year, you have no idea what's going on with the head coach. You, I mean, obviously, what happened in the offseason, what came out in the offseason. You really, if this one, if this team wins two or three games, you're like, is that that's a, that's successful? Like, this team won one game last year, um, statistically and on paper, worse coming into this year, and somehow they banded together, they found ways to win games. Um, they're now on a what a two game win? Uh, one game. No, one game was yeah. They keep We've, on going back and forth. Yeah. But even that, uh, win on the road. Like every time you you count them out, they figure out a way to win. Ben Bryant's now healthy. Like this is a time, a really good moment to be a Northwestern football fan, especially with the news of David Braun being the head coach now officially. Yeah, and looking at you know Northwestern's record, it's been. I mean, it's been literally win loss. Or I think you started with the win. Yeah, win loss, win loss, win loss, just alternating. Um, and so, you know, coming off of a win, that was that, that that's my hope for this weekend, right? Is that is just that trend's going to continue? Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you, you brought up, uh, David Braun. I mean, how, um, how pleased are you with his performance as, as Northwestern fans? I mean, using the word pleased, I think is probably a bit of an understatement, honestly, what he has done for this program and what he has done this year is kind of nothing short of incredible. I would say, you know, when we were doing podcasts before the year started, People were asking us, you know, what does he have to do to remain permanent head coach? And I don't think any of us really ever had a number in mind for amount of wins because I think we were so focused on, you know, the team needs to rally around him. Based on what happened, the team really needed to make sure, you know, that he was good. And then when we were thinking about numbers, you know, we were thinking maybe if he could get to three wins, maybe if he could get to four wins. I don't think it ever crossed our mind that five wins was even remotely a possibility before the year started. To think that we're five and five and staring down bowl eligibility with one more win, as well as the team is all rallying around him. The team has bought in completely. The other day, night after we beat Wisconsin, every player basically was on that team boss, all tweeting, hashtag remove the tag. They all want him as their permanent head coach. He's been incredible. He has completely reshaped the defensive identity of this team. I mean, last year, defense was terrible the defensive coordinator was fired after the year started Braun was brought in originally just to be the defensive coordinator and he's been incredible I mean the defense is holding teams to just no points at all been great the offense it's clicking with Ben Bryant when you know Ben Bryant's in there it's clicking and I'm just so happy that David Braun is the head coach right now 
And I apologize, guys. I was so ready to to jump into things. I didn't give you a, ch- a chance to introduce yourself and your and your podcast. So uh, if you'd like to do that, uh, I'm sure, listeners would love to know where they can find you and and just know a little bit about you all. Yeah, sure. So we are the Wild Chat Podcast. We're a podcast about Northwestern sports by Northwestern students. Um, we're both sophomores. Ashley Provost as well, who can't make it tonight. Uh, also part of our podcast. You can find us on Twitter at the Wild Chat. We're also our we post our stuff on YouTube and Spotify. Uh, at the Wild Chat Podcast. So yeah, go take a listen. Um, I'm sure we'll be posting about this one on Twitter. And yeah. And so both podcasts here are actually members of uh, Big Banner Sports. And that's one of the great things about being affiliated with Big Banner is we get the opportunity to do these collaborative crossover podcasts. So um, yeah, I'm really thrilled to have these guys on tonight and, and talk about some football. So um, you know, to, to, to backtrack one game, uh, you, know, you were coming off a great win against Wisconsin. You said you actually made the trip up to Camp Randall. Is that right? Yeah, I did. Uh, what did you think uh, of just Wisconsin, the stadium? What, particularly, what did you think about Jump Around? Okay, I got to be honest. Camp Randall has always been a bucket list stadium of mine. I don't think I've been more disappointed. I, I, I'm Okay, I'm not shocked to hear you say that because me and another gentleman from the Boiler Express podcast went up there last season and we had the exact same response. Like we were expecting this football mecca. We were expecting... Okay jump around to, you know to blow our minds and we were severely disappointed so I'm, yeah. I'm I'm fascinated to hear you say that no one else has has, has said that but yeah I was I was underwhelmed but the campus and the atmosphere and everything was great but the actual love, stadium and football experience wasn't fantastic I love Madison and like Madison's a great city but the actual atmosphere there nobody was cheering I get it was a blowout but even at the start of the game when the team was like running out there was no cheering no celebrating the team running out it was just basically dead quiet it felt louder when Northwestern was doing well then when Wisconsin was there and, you know, we had one corner section of the entire stadium and then jump around. Like, I feel like that'll be a cool thing in the student section, but the rest of the stadium, it's just the music wasn't loud enough. It was kind of hard to hear and it was just a little lame. Now, I will say we, uh, as a podcast, got the opportunity to go out to Virginia Tech this year mm-hmm. um, and we got to see the inner Sandman. And I will say yeah. that exceeded my expectations. So that, I don't know where that fits in terms of your bucket list and, and you know, whatnot, but um, that was that was awesome. That was, was such a cool thing to see. Was your Virginia Tech game, was that a day game or was that a night game? Uh, so it was supposed to be a day game. It was actually rain delayed for six hours. So mm-hmm. we got to see about 15 minutes of, of real-time play, so only about five minutes of game-time play, and then six hours of rain delay. So mm-hmm. we wanted it to be a night game. Um, so when the when the game resumed, it was dusk, and we actually got to see that that night game. But uh, So we actually got to see it twice, but you know, the, the second time the stadium was at maybe 30% capacity. Yeah. But it was cool because we got to see the players partake in it as well. Typically, this you know the stadium's going crazy and the players run out during the song, but the players were on the sideline just going crazy. It was yeah. it was awesome. But um, yeah, if you ever had the opportunity, definitely put that on your on your list of things I need to, to get see out because there that was really point. cool. I need to get out there at some point. Yeah, so uh, I honestly was surprised um, at Northwestern's performance against Wisconsin. I don't mean that in a disrespectful way to to Northwestern. I just. Uh, you know, the Big Ten West is just really unpredictable this season. I mean, it is every season, but I feel like more so this season. Were you all surprised by what happened at all or how it happened? Let's I say. Mean, I mean, I guess a little bit. I mean, it, going up to Wisconsin, really tough place to play on the road. And and Northwestern came in there and, I mean, dominated from the start. Uh, you know, I they didn't have a punt in the first half. Like this is, this is something that we haven't really seen from this team. Like sure. There's been spurts of offensive brilliance. If you look in the second half of the Minnesota game earlier this year, uh, when Ben Bryant just decided to become, you know, the next great Northwestern quarterback and, and lead a comeback. But outside of that, I mean, there hasn't been consistent offense and we really saw that in the first half against 
uh, Wisconsin. I don't know if that was a product of Bryant being back after being banged up for a, for, for a slew of games. Um, but A.J. Henning looked good. Cam Johnson looked good. I mean, this offense was clicking on all cylinders. Cam Porter was running better than I've seen him run this entire season. Um, I think big credit was to the O-line, but also like defensively too. Uh, play calling from, from David Braun. I mean, basically holding a team to no touchdown in a game, especially in, a, in an away game, the touchdown happened in the last, what, like 15 seconds of the game? It was, it was like 30 seconds yeah, left. It was, like, it, was, it was a garbage time touchdown. Um, super impressive. I just, I wasn't expecting Northwestern to go on the road into a tough environment. Um, which I guess wasn't so tough, uh, but you know, and 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 they dominated. It's, it's, it's really it's a, it's a, it's a fresh thing to see. Yeah, and I, uh, you know, the the final score is not indicative of how close that game was, because yeah, you're right that that last touchdown then did did come in in garbage time. And uh, I want to I want to circle back on something you mentioned earlier, and that being a new defensive identity. Could you could you talk about that and, and what you've seen differently compared to let's say last season? I think a big thing has. I don't know if it's necessarily what has happened with regards to the identity, but the D line is all of a sudden getting a lot more pressure than we've really seen in the past. They're really getting the quarterback, causing quarterbacks to, you know, have to throw quickly. And then the defensive backs coverage. I think that has been the one thing we're coming into the year. We were like, okay, you've got Coco Azuma. He could be a guy. I know you were big on Garnett Hollis Jr., but we really weren't, wasn't sure how it was going to be really work. We knew our linebackers were great and Bryce Gallagher and Xander Mueller, but we really weren't just, we're not sure about how the rest of the defensive backs were going to play. And they've been superb. And I think that's the biggest thing. Um, you know, the turnovers have not been a huge amount, but they've just been really good. And, you know, just limiting passes. There have never really been big plays that hurt Northwestern. If there's ever going to be plays that hurt Northwestern, it's really just, well, yes, yeah, special <laughs> teams, but, it's kind of short plays, you know, teams that are picking up four to five yards every play. Northwestern doesn't get burned for 20-plus yard plays a lot, and I think that's the biggest thing. I don't know if that's the identity thing. I don't know if that's a coaching thing, but that's one of the biggest things that I think I've seen from Northwestern. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, – go, go right ahead. I also think defensively, too, they've just come up with big plays and big moments, um, which is, I guess, in a way just up to luck. But, for example, in the game against Maryland at home, Maryland's driving with the ball late needing a touchdown to win the game and Coco Azuma comes up with an interception. Um, it, it felt like moments like that uh, or against Nebraska too. In, in the first half, there were a couple of really good defensive plays that led to turnovers. Um, it's, it's been those lucky moments and those turnover causing plays. And I think Northwestern's defense has been really lucky and really strong and really important moments. And it's been a catalyst for some of the success. I don't know yeah. if I'd call it lucky. I'd call it clutch, lucky clutch, whatever you want to call it. It's, it's, it's something it's a bit can... of a Venn diagram between those yeah, two. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if I recall in the um, Nebraska game, there uh, you intercepted Harburg twice in the first quarter. Is that right? Yeah. I think yeah, it was the first yeah. two, first, two out of the first three drives. Yeah. And then yeah, that's I think one was his first throw of the game, I believe. Yes. Like his yeah. very first, yeah, very first play. I, I, I got to watch that game. Um, yeah. I was, I was, uh, I was really impressed with, with Northwestern. Just, I mean, not only on, on the season, um, but, but uh, really particularly in that game. And, you know, it, it is it has been cool and it's been, it's been great for the Big Ten West. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people wrote off Northwestern. I'm not going to not going to lump you all in there necessarily. But at the beginning of the season with everything that happened in the offseason. Uh, but, you know, to come back and be what you're at 500 right now. Correct. Yep. Yeah, is, is is just just awesome. Um, So we, we, we talked about the defense. Could you 
assess the performance of maybe your your skill position players, quarterback, receivers, uh, and running backs, tight ends on offense, and you know, and how you think. I know Brian's been been banged up and been in and out of the rotation, but I mean, even when he's been in, there there's been some kind of inconsistencies there. But what's your take on on Ben Bryant so far? I think that it's basically night and day this offense from when he is in at quarterback compared to when it's been Brendan Sullivan. And that's no disrespect to Brendan Sullivan. I think it's just their play styles are so different. Brendan Sullivan is a lot more of that mobile type of quarterback, and it doesn't really fit and it doesn't mesh well. Ben Bryant sits in that pocket. He's not afraid to take a hit, but he's a lot more accurate, and he just he finds guys open, and I think that's one of the biggest things. He's not afraid to throw deep either as well. Bryant has really just made some big-time throws and some big-time moments, and I think he's done a terrific job. Yeah, he was a little inconsistent to start the year, but, I mean, you look at the games that he has been playing in, and, I mean, that first half against Wisconsin, incredible. I think we converted every third down as well because he was yeah, just 10 for huge. 10. Yeah, 10 for 10 was incredible. Of course, that Minnesota second half game is a game that we'll be talking about for a while. We're down by 21, I believe, going into that late third quarter, and then all of a sudden he's out here just throwing dimes left and right and really just leading us all the way back. So he's – when he's in, there's really nothing I'm – I don't want to say I'm not worried, but I just feel a lot more confident about the offense. And then we've got dogs at wide receiver. I think that's the best way to say it. A.J. Henning's a speed demon. He can burn almost anyone. He's just really great making plays. He had a terrific catch against Wisconsin. And then, of course, Cam Johnson and Bryce Kurtz. Kurtz was our leading wide receiver returner last year with, like, 200 yards. Um, and he's really come out and proven himself this year. And then Johnson, a transfer from Vanderbilt, has also been pretty terrific. I think the biggest thing offensively, though, is if you look at the skill possessions, um, the talent's there. It just comes down to what version of the offensive line shows up. Um, because in games this year where the offensive line's really struggled, look at Nebraska. Look at, um, I mean, Penn State, that's going to be obvious. Iowa. Iowa, for example, that's another one. Where, For example, Iowa game. Northwestern's at the two-yard line um, in the fourth quarter. And... They basically try and push, push four times and get stuffed at the one. That That's just kind of in, in situations like that where the offensive line isn't creating, Northwestern's not going to win many games. But, for example, in the first half against Wisconsin last week, this offensive line was fantastic, opening up holes, giving Bryant all the time in the pocket that he ever would need. For example, also in, in the Minnesota game in the second half, that offensive line did a really good job too. It's just what version of the offensive line shows up because if there's time in the pocket and if there's you know, gaps um, for Cam Porter to run through. This offense is going to be able to put up 25 points a game. It's just when this offensive line struggles, it, it gets ugly. And that's uh, that just seems to be the theme across all football right now, you know, is that uh, the offensive line dictates the, the game. And, you know, we're in the era of data and analytics and, and everything is showing that, you know, the offensive line is is the most one of the most crucial aspects uh, of, of a team. And, you know, we're seeing, especially now, even in the NFL, uh, quarterbacks are, are struggling and they're under pressure a lot more than they used to be because guys are finding really creative ways to, to get pressure on, on the quarterbacks without, uh, without blitzing more than five. And I, I just wonder how much of that's trickling down, you know, to the to the the, the college level. So, uh, you know, for for Purdue fans who haven't uh, watched a ton of Northwestern, if there are if there's one main or two main or maybe even three main takeaways that, that this is what we should expect Right when we when we uh, when we go to Northwestern um, on Saturday, what would you say those are? Is it is it the coverage? Is it the the elite offense? Now that Bryant's back in the mix, what what would you say those three things are? I'm gonna let you go first so that I can come up with some like really weird ones that. So I'm trying to think, and honestly, 
what to expect is almost the unexpected. Yeah. Okay. I, because I don't think there's one thing that has been consistent throughout the year, and that's probably the big thing. For example, that Maryland game, we're out there thinking, yeah, we're going to lose by 20. The offense isn't going to be able to do anything. And then all of a sudden, they put up 37 points against Maryland. It's the type of thing where they've really been inconsistent. I think one of the biggest things is that, you know, wide receivers get open. And I think if Brian can hit plays and make some throws, then, yeah, all of a sudden you're looking at really a top-tier offense and really just things that can make throws. Against lower-tier defenses, Northwestern's offense really succeeds. And I think that's the biggest thing. Wisconsin, not the greatest defense in the world. Northwestern goes out, dominates. You know, Maryland, pretty bad defense. Northwestern goes out, dominates on offense. So I'd say that's probably the big thing. Really looking forward to seeing what Bryant can do, especially now fully healthy, practicing for a while. Really hoping that, you know, Mike Bajaki and the offensive coordinator can cook up some nice plays. That's probably the biggest thing. Um, and then I'd say linebacker play is going to be huge as well with Bryce Gallagher and Xander Mueller. I feel like that's always the go-to, but – they're going to make some plays. They're going to be huge with tackles. I don't know if they're still leading the Big Ten in tackles. It they're up there. Uh, they're up there. They, they're they basically everywhere on the field making plays happen. So that's probably the big things that I'm thinking. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's a very good way to sum things up. I, I would also note the special teams battle is, is crucial in any football game. Um, just because it's almost something that's guaranteed, and if it if it something goes wrong, then that kind of dictates how a game will go. Northwestern has had problems um, this year with special teams, specifically punting. It hasn't necessarily been our punters' fault. Just sometimes protection up front, like literally just causing bad punts. Hunter Renner supremacy. Um, punters, Hunter Renner, very solid punter when when he's cooking, um, but needs needs to be helped. I think up front a little bit more, and then I want to throw out. Another name, I think Joe Hyman, I threw this out last week in, uh, in the Wisconsin game. He doesn't always get all the touches. He's probably the third string running back. Um, but I think he's bumped up to second you know, above Anthony, Tyus Anthony now. Tyus has been running the ball a lot. Yeah. Um, but Porter and Tyus are your bigger backs, your more physical backs. Hyman will get in a couple snaps every game, um, normally on passing downs, and look for him, especially in the screen pass game. A little dump, he, can, he is – so electric and so explosive in the open field. He had an 80-yard or 75-yard touchdown against UTEP earlier this year. Um, had a big, big catch and run off a screen pass against Maryland that almost went for a touchdown. Went probably like 50 or 60 yards. Um, if he gets the ball in his hands, finds some open space, he can really make some magic happen. And I'm wondering if Mike Bajakian kind of gets a little bit more involved in the game plan just with how much of a threat he is as a receiver. Yeah, uh, so um, it sounds like uh, you know, the running back you're talking about, just get the ball in his hands, he's going to make a play. Yeah. Um, you know, and and the city had an 80-yard touchdown against UTEP, and um, you know, to, to, to talk about Purdue's defense for a second, I don't know how much uh, Purdue you've gotten to watch this season, um, but I, I'm excited to see the matchup there. Um, you know, we have a we have a really awesome true true freshman free safety in uh, Dylan Thieneman, who uh, I think he runs like a four three seven, so he's super fast, and he is he's insane. Uh, just I mean, absolutely insane to watch play. And it's interesting because uh, we always talk about how you don't see him on TV because uh, he line, he's so far back behind the line of scrimmage. I, I don't know. Do you guys uh, are you guys going to be going to the game? Yeah, yeah. Are you have you guys been to, uh, to a lot of games this season? We're both uh, we're both on the executive board of our student section, so we're there. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. 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 Well, that's uh, that, that's one thing I would love to uh, to uh, ask about as well. I mean, what's the What's the atmosphere like? That's one stadium I haven't been to yet. Um, I did go to the game at Wrigley a couple of years back, but uh, I haven't haven't actually made the. I've, I've been on Northwestern's campus a few times, just haven't been to a game there. This year, it's been a little weird um, because we've had 
you know, some of our smallest and lowest attendance numbers in years, just with, I think, everything that happened in the offseason, but obviously with Northwestern's rise um, and with the recent news and kind of people banding around David Braun, I'm actually really curious to see what uh, attendance looks like on Saturday. Um, it, it honestly kind of depends on the week, depends on the game, depends who's who's at Ryan Field with student turnout and, and, and you know, just season ticket tur- turnout, for example. Earlier this season for the the Maryland game, I was talking to these season ticket holders from Washington, D.C. that fly up every single weekend. Um, They've had season tickets since 2015, and um, the guy had basically gone to Northwestern in the 80s, was part of, um, you know, the students that took the goalposts down and threw them in the lake. And there's still that there's still that sense of really like we love this team from people. It's just there hasn't been that turnout this year. but there's still like yeah, there, there's still a lot of positivity with this team, I'd say. And I will say that this game should, hopefully, depending on litigation and you know legal things, should be the last game at this version of Ryan Field. Yeah, it's hopefully getting torn down in about a month, and the new stadium getting built on the top of it, if it gets approved by the city, which it still sort of has not. Um, but so we're trying to make it a big deal, get people to go out there. There's word that if they win, they're going to storm the field and, you know, tear the goalpost down. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know. what. Yeah, we'll see. Um, you know, celebrate bowl eligibility. But, yeah, it's been tough this year. It's kind of been a library. It has not been the greatest. But, honestly, the team kind of feels off that, you know, they are kind of used to playing that. And, you know, a lot of teams that are used to these crazy ruckus crowds, you know, they're not used to getting up at 11 a.m. and playing in an empty stadium and, you know, quiet stadium as well. Yeah, yeah I mean, and that that's uh, – that's- Unfortunately, I have seen, um, you know, in years, I'm talking 10 years ago, maybe, uh, where, you know, Rutgers was ranked in it, or I'm sorry, not Rutgers, Northwestern. I, I, I was watching the Rutgers game earlier. Northwestern games are, um, uh, uh, the, the, the attendance is very low, right? I mean, they're like 60, 70% capacity when, you know, the team's doing really well. Um, you know, but it, it's it's good to know that, you know, there are those like diehard fans that are rallying behind and, and, I imagine with you know the way with, with the coaching change and the way teams are rallying back that that attendance is gonna gonna bounce right back. Um, so I feel like I've been I've been uh, firing questions at you guys. What what would you all like to know about Purdue? Or what do you what do you what what concerns you about Purdue in this in this upcoming game? Let's start there. I mean, I guess what concerns me about Purdue is I'm number one. I'm a huge Hudson Card fan. Really mm-hmm. huge Hudson Card fan. Um, really liked. Purdue picking up in the offseason and obviously it's been kind of an up and down year for Purdue how would you assess his performance and kind of this offense in in a season that hasn't gone the way that Boilermakers fans would have wanted yeah uh so I mean uh, starting with that that very end of that statement there no the season the season hasn't gone the way that you know that we obviously wanted and thought um we we did lose several guys to um to the NFL and and um you know had the had the coaching change in the offseason and but but no one expected this I don't think but we, we we've been in a lot of games um particularly around Hudson Card I think it comes down to how well we can protect him um you know when he's well protected we saw against Illinois I mean he looked like a completely different player uh we saw last weekend against Minnesota he looked like a completely different player um I think there was something else going on last weekend he just he looked like I mean he I've never seen him play that well um, he was making the right reads. He was rolling out when he needed to. He was you know, tucking the ball and running without thinking about it. Um, but I think that, you know, there, there are some times where he makes some some poor decisions and there are times where he, um, you know, he has an easy throw for a first down and he'll kind of, um, you know, make the deep throw for a 50-50 ball. 
uh, as well. But I feel like that's been cleaned up. But I think a lot of it really comes down to trust uh, for him. I, I think he has kind of lost some trust in the offensive line. And uh, Ryan Walters has said some things about that, too, about, you know, he ha he has to keep reminding him, like, hey, you have to go into every snap and you have to believe that you're going to be protected. You're going to have to believe you have a clean pocket. You have to believe the receivers are going to get separation. And so I don't know. Something happened uh, after the Michigan game that where he just, you know, came out and just looked like he had the utmost confidence and not only himself, but the guys around him. So um, I, I, I hope that continues. But I, overall, I've been I've been very pleased with, with Hudson Card. I think that. Purdue fans are still getting used to this new, you know, true air raid style offense that Coach uh, Coach Harrell is running. When we're used to the the Jeff Brom version of an air raid, where we, you know we're actually passing the ball seventy percent of the time, um, so there's you know there's a little bit of um, a transition in the mindset of fans. But yeah, overall, I, I've been uh, I've I've been very pleased with Hudson Card when he when he's protected. And, you know, when he's not, that's not always his fault. Obviously, coming off now, I guess a big win, I guess over Minnesota, who. Yeah. I can't tell. I can't tell the vibe on Minnesota if they're good no, or no. what they are. But I guess what went right besides Hudson Card in this Minnesota game that you know let you guys win by what was it nineteen points or around there? Yeah, yeah, it was a forty-nine thirty. Um, I mean, well, one thing we had two two running backs go off for over a hundred yards each. Um, you know, so not only did Hudson Card play really well, um, both Devin Mockaby and Tyrone Tracy had over a hundred rushing yards and. You know, not only did Hudson Card look, you know, to be reborn, so to speak, the the offensive line looked great. I mean, they were just they were physical. They were they were um, you know we were shuffling guys around at different positions. Were pretty banged up on the offensive line. We're starting some some third string guys, but they were just they were they were playing with just a little bit more. Um, trying to think of the word moxie is what come to, comes to mind. Like they 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 just wanted it. It, it seemed more than anything else. Um, so on the offensive side, it was really the ability to just to run the ball. I think Card using his feet more and just not thinking about it, tucking and running really opened up that kind of third dimension to the offense. Um, defensively, I really felt like we we made adjustments uh, in, a, in a completely different way. Uh, Purdue kind of dropped into a lot more zone than what we've seen in previous games. So uh, I don't know how much Purdue, like I said, how much Purdue you all uh, have watched, but you know, defensively, we uh, one of the guys on our our podcast jokes about it's almost like a punt return formation, right? We're just you know stacking the line of scrimmage two linebackers, you know, and the corners are far back, but we're, you know, there are where well, we have one single high safety who's so far back that you can't see them. And, you know, we're typically playing man to man out of that. But what we saw is, you know, we've been a pretty pass rush heavy defense for a lot of the season. What happened against uh, against Minnesota is we were dropping some of those pass rushers back into coverage and really confusing Kyle McManus. So he would he would drop back and think that he had five, six, seven guys rushing. And then they, you know, four of them would drop into coverage and he'd throw a quick pass, you know, that it hit the receiver in the back of the hands or be behind them. Um, so I don't know how much of that's going to translate personnel wise. I mean, to uh, North, the Northwestern game, but um, you know, that's really the two main things that I saw that really had, you know, Northwestern, or, I'm sorry, Minnesota stifled and uh, you know, Purdue did well offensively was being able to run the ball. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so I given that, uh, Dude, is it time? Is, is is it time for score predictions? I right. think so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I'll let you guys start. Being... I'll go. I'll go first. <laughs> okay. I have not taken Northwestern in a game this year. I have every single one of the first 10 games. I have said that Northwestern is going to lose, and this is the week it changes. Oh, no. Okay. This is the week okay. it changes. It's going to be a close one. I think it's going to actually be pretty high scoring. And I think Ben Bryant is going to throw like a 47-yard a, a like laser to Bryce Kurtz with like 
37 seconds left to win the game, and it's going to be 27-24 Northwestern wins in a crazy fourth quarter that has, like, 20 combined total points scored. I think I, – I kind of agree that this is going to be a fun game in a sense that I think this is probably going to be the most fun game just from a football fan's perspective of, like, Northwestern season because – I mean, Maryland was fun, I guess. That was a close game. Minnesota was also Minnesota fun. was fun if in terms st- of the comeback. If you stuck with it. But I think this is going to be a game where it's really kind of close from beginning to end and almost might come down to who has the ball last is mm. going to, well, I guess, football games typically with kneeling. But it'll be like <laughs> someone scoring with like five seconds left. Um, Northwestern has had this loss win, loss win, loss win mentality. I think it changes this week. I think Ben Bryant has confidence. I think the O-line has confidence, and I think that they're going to be cooking. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Like, it's going to be one of those Illinois-Indiana games from last week where, honestly, I could see overtime as well, just because why not? But I think Northwestern wins, sends it off, sends Ryan Field off on a high note. Students rush the field. I'm taking Northwestern wins 42-35. Okay. Wow. Yeah, I know. And, uh, it's going to yeah, be crazy. That's my guess. It's uh, – it's- it's funny because last week when we were talking with the um, the Minnesota guys, everyone, all of us predicted a low scoring game that was going to be one in the <laughs> trenches, and as you know, team grinds it out at the very end for a three point win, and you know, uh, uh, you know, thirteen ten kind of predictions, and um, but you, you just you just never know, you know, especially in the Big Ten West, you just never know. Um, you know, the one thing you said that that concerned me um, was the 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 secondary play. Uh, the coverage. And that's been something that, you know, against elite secondaries, Purdue's kind of struggled because our offensive line. I would so not good. call our secondary elite by any means. They're good. But oh, okay. Elite. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, so I guess uh, ultimately, you know, it, my answer is, is, is it, it depends. It depends on, you know, do we get Hudson card from Minnesota or do we get Hudson card from Syracuse? You know, so they, which Hudson card shows up, but I think that, and, and I appreciate the fact that that you you uh, are not so much of a homer as to pick Northwestern to win in every game, I, I admire that. I really do. Um, I um, but I'm I, I just to play devil's advocate here. I'm going to predict a Purdue win, um, and and to be even more of a devil's advocate, I'm going to predict a low scoring game. This is a game where defense dominates. Purdue's defensive line uh, edge rushers really really cause havoc. I'm going to predict uh, 17-14 late touchdown Purdue win. What is the over-under in this game listed at right now? Because I'm very oh, that's curious. That's a good question. Because that's one where it's like, I feel like most games I've understood the over-under, but this game could completely go either way. And I have, I am just so curious what this is. Um, 47 and a half. Okay. So that seems, that feels a little high. And but last I saw the line was what, Purdue by three yesterday? Yeah, yeah it's crazy. I, I I don't know who sets these lines or or, or why, but uh, obviously it wouldn't exist if people weren't making the bet. But that's uh, yeah, that's that uh, that's that's fascinating. Well, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to a really great game. I do agree in that it's going to be a game that's that's uh, that we're not going to want to miss. It's going to be a you know four quarter game. Um, you know, and 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 with that, is it is it time to transition sports here? Yeah, yeah. yeah so um, um, maybe, maybe, yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> well, I know. Uh, I know uh, I forget the actual date, which I'm going to check right now, but here December in just a 1st. couple of weeks. December 1st. December 1st. Uh, Purdue does play Northwestern uh, in basketball. And since uh, since we're all here, we figured we'd, uh, we'd go ahead and talk about that one. Um, so right now, um, you know, uh, Northwestern hasn't lost a game. Is that right? Yeah. 
Yeah. And so, uh, so how are you all feeling about, about Northwestern right now in terms of their performance on the court? What's, uh, what's surprised you, what's maybe better than expected and what maybe hasn't lived up to the preseason expectations? I think this team is going to give me a heart attack every single game. Like legitimately the heart rate's going to be terrible. It doesn't matter who we're going to play. We're going to be a close game, any, any and every single game, because this team does not know how to take advantage of teams that they should easily beat. And more importantly, when you're, you know, you go up against a Big Ten competition, I think that it's going to be very hard if we have a if we have a rough shooting night. Um, but I think we're going to be ultra competitive. I mean, first game against Binghamton, way too close for for comfort. Against Dayton, very solid win. Um, can't complain too much about that. It was, I mean, it was close throughout. A couple opportunities to to pull away, but wasn't able to. And then uh, against Western Michigan. That game was just, I mean, you were there. I, I couldn't go, but that game was way too close for comfort. I, I just think that this game and this team is just going to play in close games and they're going to find ways to win in close games because Brooks Barnheiser and Boo Booey have been excellent closers this season. I think that was a similar situation though last year. Last year, every game Northwestern played in was a close one. There were very few games where Northwestern won in a blowout and there were very few games where they lost in a blowout. Pretty much every game it felt like was, you know, within five or six points. And I think that's going to be their identity. I think that's going to be their identity this year. Um, of course, they're a good, de- good defensive team. They still need to sh- figure out some things in the half-court offense. And I think they've struggled a little bit, really slowing down that game. They also struggle in transition. They struggle offensively. But I think they'll start to click more as the year goes on. I kind of hate the fact that this Purdue game is so early on just because, you know, I really wish they had time to kind of build themselves as a team before facing a great team like Purdue. And so currently, uh, Northwestern's uh, 49th in Ken Palm in offense uh, and 77th in in, in defense. Um, you know, uh, obviously, you know, a Big Ten team, you you want to see that defensive number a little bit higher. Uh, have there been anything that that kind of sticks out to you that are some problems defensively, or is it just still trying to figure out the scheme? No, I I would say two things really stand out to me. One, Matt Nicholson, I think, has struggled this year to start the season more than last year, where he really found a groove. Early on, I mean, remember Nicholson didn't start the first nine games of of the year, um, ended up starting the rest of the way, but kind of started off off the bench, really. And I think it's been a tough start uh, to the year defensively for him. But more importantly, teams have figured out this double team uh, that Northwestern really operates. They really like to double team the low post. Um, if it's Nicholson and, and Barnheiser or if it's Langborg coming down, um, they really like to make things difficult for opposing teams, big men. And teams have really worked out of that efficiently this season to start. So I think Northwestern has to, you know, throw a couple different things in the mixer defensively, really create some more confusion um, and hone in on, on some of that defensive rotation, uh, which hasn't been beautiful yet to start the year, I'd say. Yeah, and that's one thing I do remember about last year's uh, game against Northwestern is that were the double teams and, you know, Purdue having a, having a dominant big man uh, forces a lot of teams to double. Uh, but where we ran into issues last year was when playing teams who were used to doubling. Um, and so that's why, you know, you all were able to give Zach Eady such a difficult time, in my opinion, is because because of that double. Um, I'll be curious to see, you know, how how Purdue looks to attack that this season, um, you know, knowing that, that that's something that you all do do regularly, um, you know, and on on in terms of personnel, you know, Boo Booey, in my opinion, is, uh, you know, top two guards in the conference. Um, you know, he, he's been a kind of a volume guy, his offensive ratings down a little bit. Um, what do you see from him that, that kind of needs to get him back to where he was in maybe the previous two seasons? I think efficiency is probably something with him. I think that, you know, he 
often when he has the ball in his hands, tries to almost make too much happen rather than kind of trusting the guys around him. Um, I think he's always kind of the guy who wants to try and drive it to the rim himself a little bit instead of, you know, passing it around a little bit. I think defensively he's improved. And that's one of the big things that we talked about towards the end of last year was how he improved defensively. And through these first three games, he's been almost even better. I think, you know, a lot of it is still just early season struggles. He's been fine, but for boo-booey standards, it's maybe not where we might expect him to be. But it's also not like we've needed him to be necessarily because I think other guys like Brooks Barnheiser and Ryan Langborg, besides this Western Michigan game, have really stepped up and really, you know, served in a role in really helping be number two and three guys behind him that can really help lead the scoring. Brooks Barnheiser in particular has really turned into the player that we kind of expected him to be with this improved role and elevated role. And I think that's one of the biggest things. Yeah, so you think it's maybe a case of just trying to, you know, going from a situation where you had the kind of the dynamic duo with Aldish and Bowie, and now he's trying to figure out to, to kind of take on that leadership role, trying to figure out where what he needs to do, you know, to, to score and, and just trying to learn how to play without Aldish. Is there maybe an element of that there? I mean, I, I think so. It, it's t- it's difficult when you lose somebody of Aldish's caliber um, who's so crucial to your defense. But at the end of the day, I actually think not having Aldish this year might benefit Northwestern in the long term this season, just offensively too. Last year, I mean, the offense was was boo-booey or Chase Aldish dribbling the ball at the logo for 15 seconds and then chucking up a shot. Um, this year without Aldish, you, you don't have – that guy who wants the ball in his hands 50% of the time um, and, and really is, is, is taking bad looks, to be frank. Um, obviously, not having defensively hurts, but I think Northwestern is a team that realizes that defense is com- comprised of effort and hustle and intensity. That's all things that it's just how much do you care. And this Northwestern team, especially when it gets deeper in the season, especially in a conference play, they're going to care um, and they're going to want to defend home court. And so, so after Bowie, who who do you see as kind of that that second scoring option? Is it is it Barnheiser? Yeah, I mean it's it's been Barnheiser. Last game against Western Michigan, Northwestern put up I think sixty three and forty one of those points were from Bowie and Barnheiser. Bowie at twenty one, Barnheiser at twenty. Uh, Barnheiser's had double doubles in the first two games of the year. Didn't have a double Impressive. double against Western Michigan, but I mean he's he's been awesome. And from you know that twelve foot range, ten to twelve foot range back shoulder, um, you know, fadeaway action. That mid-range game has been nothing but pure this year for him. Um, and it's really something that he's got very big um, upside in this Northwestern offense, something that Northwestern truly relied on him for, for scoring, especially in that low post area too. He's just such a mismatch nightmare because in theory, he can guard anyone between the one and the four. And that just causes problems defensively. defensively. And then on the offensive side of the ball, he, he can score pretty much at will. Yeah, and so um, you know he he he's kind of a, a hybrid in that he plays multiple positions, and he's he's a guy defensively that that has me a little bit concerned on for that December first matchup. Um, you know, what do you all think of the 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 transfer? Is it Langborg? Yeah, yeah. Have, have, so, how's he played? In the first two games, I mean, he was awesome. I mean, we were chanting Ryan Langborg from the student section the entire game uh, against Dayton because he was just going off against. Was it Western Michigan? Yeah, against Western Michigan, I mean, he struggled. He just wasn't making shots. It was plain and simple like that. I think he was making some nice plays. Being He was in the right positions at times. Just, just The shots weren't falling. I'm not really expecting him to go one for ten or whatever it was. Two for nine. It was two for nine. Not great, but not as bad as I was expecting, I guess. But you got to spot, spot him another shot, you know. Yeah. yeah. Not, I, I just – 
he's not going to do that again. I mean, he's going to make his shots. He did that with Princeton. I mean, he really led them. And he's shown that he can be a great option. I think when he's clicking and then you have basically a big three of, you know, everyone, Bowie, Barnheiser, and Langborg, I think then the offense would be a very serious offense. It's just a matter of can he be consistent with it? I think he personally can be. I think he's been great. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he's got in store for him the rest of the year. Um, he's just he's a good shooter, and I'm not expecting him to go for two for nine again. Uh, and you know, in in terms of coaching, you know, every every fan base loves to be critical to a different degrees about their coach. I know, you know, uh, every time Purdue doesn't win by forty, you know, in an early season game, you know, people want to fire Matt Painter, but. You know what's what's the temperature like in terms of you know how people feel about Chris Collins? Is the 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 feelings generally positive or, or neutral? Um, and and maybe throw in your personal opinion as well. Um, well, I think going into last year, he was clearly on the hot seat. Going into last year, it's like okay, you get off to a slow start, and you know there's a chance where maybe he gets fired midway through the season. And then obviously we go on the run we did, have arguably the best season in Northwestern basketball history. And I believe he got a contract extension over yeah. the offseason. So right now is he went from basically being as hot as possible to about as cold as possible. You know, we're 3-0 now. The games haven't been pretty, but they're wins. And much rather look at a 3-0 team than a 2-1 team or a 1-2 team. I don't imagine there's a possibility where he gets fired at the end of the year. I personally think it's fine. I mean, you know, with what happened last year, I think personally Collins is not the reason the team was so successful. I think it's Chris Lowry one of the assistant coaches that got brought in that I think has really changed the identity of the team. He really brought in the increased defensive play style, in my opinion. And I think he's been a big role of that, but you know, Collins' seat is pretty much ice cold, I'd say. Yeah. I think just to echo that, I think the best thing about Chris Collins is especially in any media availability that he has or any press availability, he's just so genuine with the media and really um, does a good job just interacting with, with if it's reporters, if it's, you know, broadcasters and anything along those lines. Um, and really getting people to understand what this team is about. Um, he, you know, he has a great squad around him. Um, he's got a great coaching staff. Um, and I just think some of those qualities um, in, in, in his leadership um, has made this team really successful. The one thing that I always find fascinating with, with him, though, is it doesn't matter how close the game is or how many points Northwestern's up, he, he coaches his guys like – Northwestern is down three with 30 seconds left in every single game. Any single mistake, any single uh, situation, he he's a, I would say he's a yeller on the sideline a little bit. Um, and it, that's he's, always, he's that always was, chirping at the refs as yeah, well. He's always he's always loud. He's always vocal. It's always shocks me, and it's always not very, to the Fran McCaffrey extent, though, right? No, no. not not quite. <laughs> um, but it's always shocking to see that side of him during the middle of the game. And then, you know, 15 minutes later in the press conference, he's like sitting down with the sitting down in, in the press conference and really expanding on questions. And I just think it's a very interesting, um, interesting juxtaposition. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've always, um, he, he's definitely probably top three in terms of my, my favorite coaches in the big 10. Um, so I was curious to get, you know, a feel for how the fan base feels about him. Um, I just think that, you know, he's a, He's a class act, and I, I like what you said. You know, and play that you play like you're always. You know, it's always a three point game. Um, I was actually reading a study yesterday about you know the fact that uh, kind of quantifying the the extent to which players start taking worse shots when the league grows. Right, they get up twenty, and maybe a guy who's been working on his three but is not really a shooter decides to take a you know take a three and uh, things like that. So that's really good that he kind of keeps that competitive. Like, hey, we got we got we got, got to play smart still because 
you know, every, every, every athlete's good. You know, you can, you can, we see teams go on 15 no runs all the time, you know, especially, especially at the college level. Um, so, you know, talking about the game, you know, with, with Purdue, what, what, um, what concerns you about Purdue? I mean, I, I obviously have my opinions, but, you know, from an external perspective, what, how do, how do you view, uh, you know, this, this Purdue team? Uh, and you, you, you can talk about what happened uh, in the tournament if you'd like as well. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> obviously it's Zach Eady. And I mean, with us, with Matthew Nicholson struggling a little bit early, I think that's ultimately where it's going to kind of come down to, in my opinion, it, you know, can Matthew Nicholson repeat the performance he had last year against Edie? I mean, I know obviously Edie still put up a ton of points, points against yeah. us, but he was pretty much the only offense in that game last year. It's a question of, you know, can Purdue get their guards involved? And I believe that was an issue pretty much throughout the tournament as well, was that, you know, the guard play maybe wasn't the greatest for Purdue. Am I correct in saying that? Um, so, I mean, ultimately, you know, what, what went wrong in the, in the one, the one, uh, tournament game, I mean, and, and even going back to the big 10 tournament, which is guys missing open shots. Yeah. Um, you know, people, people want to criticize the coaching or the scheme, but, you know, Purdue went five for 26 from three against Fairleigh Dickinson. Um, you know, I think, I think we lost by, by six points. So, I mean, that's, that's a recipe for a loss. And of those 26 threes, 25, according to Synergy Sports, were wide open the threes. So I mean, it, it when you're getting your players wide open threes and they're missing them, like that's not a coaching issue, in my opinion. That's not a coaching issue. Um, so you know, everyone who said like, oh, it's the you know the 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 coach needs to go, or you know this this guy should have been in, like no, just you know shots didn't go in. Um, it's just unfortunate that we kind of have earned a reputation now in the tournament of of you know losing against lower the lower uh, seeds, but. Ultimately, it just comes down to some bad luck, and and some it's just we we've been on the short end of the stick a few times. I don't attribute, you know, much of it to uh, to to coaching, but no, uh, I I do think that um, you know the the shooting was all over the place last year. This season, it has you know we're only three games into the season, but we're we're over forty percent from three on the season, which has been impressive to see. But our volume's down. Um, we're not taking as many threes as we were last season. It really seemed like we were kind of a playing Mori ball last year. So it was a rim or a shot at the rim or a shot from three. And we've kind of incorporated some uh, kind of quick ball screen, uh, pull up at the elbow uh, element to, to the game, uh, which has uh, really worked well against Xavier the other night. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I mean, we, you know, we saw, you know, Nicholson give Edie some issues last season uh, on the defensive end. Um, but I, I, I want to believe now that we have enough weapons around him and, and those weapons are, you know, a little bit more experienced uh, in terms of what they can do and um, that, that they'll be able to bring, bring another element. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm, that's uh, anytime you're playing against such a, such an elite dynamic guard, like Boo Booey, I always get really nervous because uh, he, you know, he's a guy who can go off for 30 uh, in any given night. And um, you know, in terms of, individuals who can guard him i you know Purdue's Purdue's been a good defensive team we're eighth in Palm right now um but individually i don't know who who could guard him uh so it's going to have to be a team effort um but i think the one thing purdue has going for them in this game is obviously going to be uh it is at mackey is that right that's the first games at mackey no it's welsh ryan arena it is at welsh ryan okay well then yeah yeah so on the road um yeah we do we don't, don't even have the uh the, the the home the home court advantage there so um, you know, I, I think ultimately it's going to come down to how we can contain Boo Booey and then how Northwestern decides to defend Edie and how Purdue decides to respond to that that defense, whether it's double team and, and Edie's passing out and how we can hit shots. Um, so I, I know you said that, you know, you're part of the you're part of the student section at Welsh Ryan. Is that right as well? Yes. 
Yeah. So what's uh, what, what what's the game day atmosphere like there? That's another. Uh, like I said, I haven't been to a sporting event up there. I mean, last year was electric. Last year yeah. was so incredible. We were having to turn away students because we couldn't have enough students at the games. So this year, what ended up happening was we implemented this like point system where you go to other games, you can get points, which will help you get uh, tickets for men's basketball games, just so that we'd be able to kind of hold enough people for this. Um, it's been electric. The first three games this year, it's been fine. I mean, it hasn't been the loudest necessarily, but I think it might also just be because of the opponents that like played. Dayton, um, was good. Dayton was fine. I'm expecting Purdue to be absolutely incredible, incredibly loud arena. What's great about Welsh Ryan is the roof is very low, so all the noise basically gets like, trapped in. I'd honestly argue it's one of the loudest arenas in the Big Ten just because of that, and because it's so small, it's just really cool. Yeah, it's it's really cozy. Um, it's 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 a really fun atmosphere. Um, just some of the atmospheres, especially for Big Ten games last year, if if it was Illinois or Rutgers or um, what was another good one at home? Those are the main two really big ones. I mean, oh, Iowa was good. Indiana. Uh, Indiana was really good at home. All, just, all the home games. All the great. home games were really good once Northwestern started winning chicken games. Sandwich. Um, the students really got into it, and we're really hoping that's that's a trend that continues um, with a lot of hype surrounding this team. I think having Purdue as that first home game is both a blessing and a curse in the fact that um, you know it really is a good test for Northwestern early in the year, especially the home crowd environment, and to see how Northwestern matches up against what is the benchmark in the Big Ten and one of the benchmarks in in the country, really. Um, so I think that's a really good thing. But on the downside, it's the beginning of the Big Ten season. And, um, you know, these teams are still trying to figure out who they are, especially Northwestern, identity-wise, without Adige, as well as Purdue trying to figure out who 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 it is. And, and you know, another season with those guards, if, if it's Smith or Lawyer. Um, so there's going to be some kinks um, in this first matchup. And I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see kind of just that Big Ten basketball. Yeah, it's definitely on my list to get up to uh, to, to Welsh Ryan because the, you know, after the remodel, it looks like such a cool place to see a game. Um, you know, I I'm I'm obviously a homer. I love Mackey Arena. I think it's the the best. It's definitely the best place I've been and to see a basketball game uh, in terms of atmosphere and in terms of noise. Maybe not so much in terms of comfort. Um, they kind of pack you in there like sardines, and you don't really get a whole lot of space, and you're sitting on bleachers. Um, but I think fun. it's from. Gotta love, I yeah, love yeah. I, I mean, I agree. But honestly, uh, you know, I just went to the Purdue Xavier game the other night and, and I'm just, you know, I'm almost 34 and I'm like, man, I, you know, I'm getting like, like my back starting to hurt. And, you know, when I was younger, it didn't matter. I was season ticket holder, you know, went to all the games like didn't didn't matter. I was, uh, you know, I was standing on my feet. I was jumping like like the the atmosphere, you know, the, the cramped conditions didn't bother me as much. I still I still go. I love it. And I wouldn't change it, but uh, it's starting to affect me the older I get. Um, so, do they have like like individual seating at Welsh Ryan? They do. Um, yeah. In yeah, so like throughout most, basically everything besides the student section is 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 individual seating, um, which is nice. Yeah, yeah, that is really nice. Yeah. Um, so, it's early in the season. You know, we're we're still learning a lot about both teams. You know, um, Purdue has a has a impressive win over Xavier Northwestern has an impressive win over Dayton. Um, you know, it's one of these early big 10 games where, you know, the teams still are trying to find their identity. I'm not a huge fan of like playing two big 10 games and going back to non-con and going back into big yeah. 10, but I understand they have to have them, but I've never been a huge fan of them. Um, but, you know, given that let's let, let's, let's go in. What do we, what do we think? Um, what's the score prediction? Are you guys going to predict the, uh, 
the uh, I'll call it an upset, you know, for from 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 a Ken Palm ranking to to beat the number one Ken Palm ranked team as of right now, I'll call that an upset. But I don't I don't think a Big Ten team beating another Big Ten team should ever really be an upset. But are you all going to predict the Northwestern win? It's tough. I think there's also a lot we don't know about both these teams, mm-hmm. considering this game is still two weeks away as well. Then plays a big role in that. You know, last year's game just was so much fun, and I love it and that's going to be a core memory honestly the rest of my life storming that court um just thinking about this year i'm a little worried at the fact that it's early on in the year and i think that's the one thing that's really scaring me right now i think the fact that it's played at welsh ryan arena makes me feel more confident if this game was at mackey it's, oh, yeah, it's, a loss. it's an easy loss i think i think that game in february or whenever it's getting played in mackey northwestern's gonna yeah. struggle in that I think the fact that it's at Welsh Ryan Arena, I think the fact that, you know, it's right in between reading week and finals week. So, you know, students are going to be, should be free, hopefully. I don't know. It's Northwestern. You never know with the nerds. Um, But I think that students are going to turn out. It's going to be a fun game. It'll be a full game. I think that's going to play an impact. I think I'm going to take a Northwestern win in this one. I think last year's game, it was 64-58. I think it'll be a little higher scoring this year. I think one of the teams will probably get upper 70s. I'm going to take Northwestern 78, Purdue 74. Hmm. I I don't I don't know. I, I think there's a there's a lot of basketball to be played in between these in between the next two weeks, right? Northwestern is going on a on a little trip to Connecticut this weekend um, for a little tournament. Who does who does Purdue have? Yeah, so Purdue goes uh, goes to Hawaii. We're playing in the Maui Invitational, um, so it's one. a pretty pretty stacked field out there. So uh, we play Gonzaga, uh, and then uh, if we win that game, we play the winner of um, Tennessee and Syracuse. Um, Kansas is also Kansas Marquette are also in the bracket as well. Um, so you know, stacked. regardless, we're we yeah we're yeah, we're, we're going to be playing. We're going to learn a lot about uh, our team for sure. And then yeah, and I, I think that's a that's that's a great moment for Purdue to really kind of get those early season reps against that high competition. I, I'm really worried because Northwestern, Dayton's going to be the game, right? Dayton, that, that win against Dayton is kind of that, you know, trial by fire. And until you really play Purdue, I mean, there's, I mean, if Northwestern wins the first game against Rhode Island, is that it? Play Rhode Island. Yeah, Rhode and Island and then Mississippi State. State. It'll be Mississippi State if, if we win that one because they're playing Washington State. Um, I, I think Northwestern struggles in this game. I think that they lose by by eight to eleven somewhere in there. Um, I think I think Purdue kind of still shows that they're you know they're 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 the king of the Big Ten. Um, and I don't really know what the score would be. I think Northwestern puts up like 62, 63, and then work your way up to a Purdue like 70, 71, somewhere in there. But I, I think Purdue gets gets a win. Northwestern hangs around for the game, but just isn't able to make that push uh, that they were able to make last year. You know, so I'm a big I'm a big analytics guy. You know, and one thing that I look at, uh, you know, Northwestern looking at the numbers is the uh, the high amount of turnovers that Northwestern has forced so far this season. Um, their opponents have a 27 and a half percent turnover percentage, uh, and that that's that's a red flag for me um, because the recipe for Purdue losing last season was turning the ball over and shooting poorly. We could do one of the two, but we couldn't do both. Um, you know, Braden Smith is running the majority of point guard duties uh, this season. Uh, his assist percentage is almost 50%, but his turnover percentage is about the same as what it is last year. It's right, right around 25%. Um, but seeing that, you know, Northwestern so far through three games has forced a lot of turnovers is, is the one area where I feel like 
if, if Northwestern were to pull off the upset, it would be through that avenue. It would be through, you know, forcing turnovers, especially uh, getting the ball out of Edie's hands. Um, you know, it's the biggest advantage Purdue has when they play against another team is that you can't simulate Zach Edie in practice. Uh, however, everyone or not everyone, a lot of guys on this team uh, have played against Zach Edie before. You know, Nicholson, he, he's seen him, what, three or three, four times now. Um, you know, so I think that's that's the one advantage they have. And like I talked about, Northwestern uh, can can double and does double. Uh, one thing I think we've seen differently from Edie in this season, though, has been his passing. He's been finding guys on the perimeter, and the shots have been going in as well. Um, but I, but I, I, my final prediction is I think that the guys are um, looking for a little bit of vengeance from last season, and I'm right in line with you. I'm thinking 70-63, something along those lines. Purdue. Regardless, it's going to be a fun game, though. Um, you know, so like I said, Boo Booey is you know one of the top guards in the conference, one of my favorite players to watch. Um, I mean, how often, how often on a podcast do you get to talk about two very exciting games upcoming, whether it be football, basketball? Um, it's been a blast. It has been a blast. Yes, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it, yeah, it's a, actually a first for us. We've never, we, we've never gotten to talk uh, football and basketball with uh, in a, a crossover collaboration. Uh, so that's awesome that they, that that the timing of the games works out so that we were able to to talk about this. And you know, I don't know about you all, but it's like our our agenda is getting pretty packed as we like transition and that kind of overlap in football and basketball. So it's like we have to have to schedule everything out and like, all right, we're going to talk about football for 10 minutes and then upcoming game for 10 minutes and we're going to basketball and we got three games to cover. And yeah, yeah, that's all that. Um, we we yeah, got yeah, to get a better schedule for us going, yeah. but. But, um, yeah, we uh, we we try the schedule, but we we mostly just end up winging it. You know, just the yeah. the conversation comes. We normally have to like cap it because there's so many thing uh, things we want to talk about. Um, got a got a listener comment here, Frank. You're so handsome. Yeah. Well, thank you, Dylan. I appreciate that. That's a it's one of, it's one of the Boiler Express crew right there. That's who that is. Yeah, love so, to see it. Yeah, yeah. Well, unless there's anything else, I guess we can go ahead and wrap up. We're right at that hour mark. Uh, so, is that anything else you guys wanted to add? I, I think we've said it all. We're good. Go Cats. Go Cats. Yeah, well, I, uh, I do appreciate, uh, again, this is uh, Dylan and Adam from the Wild Chat Podcast. Really appreciate you all taking the time to come on this evening and talk with us. Uh, it's, been, it's, been, it's been a pleasure, and I uh, really look forward to uh, future collaborations with you all. Same here. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks again for, uh, for stopping by, and um, we'll uh, go ahead and end this now. And uh, for those of you watching, again, be sure to check us out. Uh, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, you can find us at Boiler Express Podcast. And if you guys want to want to drop your socials one more time for the listeners, uh, we can sign off after that. Yeah, sure. You can find us at, at The Wild Chat on uh, Twitter. We're thinking about maybe getting an Instagram running soon if Ashley wants to uh, take the charge on that one. Uh, besides that, we're on YouTube and Spotify um, at The Wild Chat Podcast as well, posting all of our podcasts over there. And yeah. Yeah, well, thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, Thanks for listening.